Blog like Talk Radio. Tasha, come on in. All is a blessing. Greetings and salutations to one and all. It's another edition of Revolutionary Hoosiers, all the Hoosiers, all is a blessing. All is a blessing. You can just be One of the greatest Come back home to Africa. Come back home. 
Eshualeguana Kofi Were Awo Ono Uto Ni Iwo Ada Afamba Ofi O Batalami Itani Ebo Onilio Avani Shu Eshu is the respected elder who flogs, confronts, and uncovers fools. That one versed in mysteries uses truth to own you. He causes scattered to feed poverty. Obatala shakes rascals to have sacrifice. The owner of warnings is the one who is Eshu, Abowu, Aboye, Abushishe, Ashe, may I ever reach a rune. May I ever be accepted. May I ever allow we desire to come to pass. And so we say, Ashe. Greetings and salutations, divine all blessed, elevation, revelation, and manifestation. You are now sitting again live with the Divine Prince, Pan-African spiritualist, practitioner, author, and advisor, Elagun Oloye Hudu Obeya Bokor, sharing with you in all things spiritual, mystical, metaphysical, cosmic, evolutionary, revolutionary, healing, and holistic from a Pan-African Hoodoo world spiritualist perspective. Also welcome and respect and enjoy my cousin, the beloved uh, Baba Awo, chief priest of Ile Isheshe Oladeji Inner Consciousness Spiritual Center, the beloved Oloye Ifawole Olodeji Ifantade. We are certainly here with you and for you, understanding that all is truly and indeed a blessing. If you can just see beyond the veils, for it is all, all just an illusion and a test and one of the greatest divine mysteries of this life cycle. This is my constant prayer, my mantra, my affirmation and reverberation, my reiteration, and it is my ever-living reality. All is a blessing is crucial to the very foundation of my inner standing, my teaching, my walk, my work along this divine, all-blessed life path and journey. It is how I, the divine prince, make sense out of all that we're challenged with here in our daily existence on Mother Father Earth. And it is my personal place of power and understanding. It is the place from where I begin, from where I realize and crystallize all my endeavors, understanding that I, as I alone, create and co-create my divine destiny, and I, as I alone, create and co-create my divine, all-blessed reality. And so it is. Ashe. Today is Friday, April 30th, 2021, and we are emanating and vibrating with you and for you now live, virtually, verbally, cosmically, quantum universally from this working temple of the house of the divine prince. Thai potions, hoodoo central, um, Thai potions, hoodoo central in this legendary, historic, beautiful, and most enchanted city in America. And of course, my cousin is broadcasting from Eli Isheshe. Ola Deji Inner Consciousness Spiritual Center in the beautiful Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Again, we're always truly honored and grateful to be present 
to be standing, along with the legion of ancestors, standing to push forward a message, an energy, a love, an understanding that we believe is beneficial to ourselves and to our people in our community. It is indeed why I have been doing this broadcast for 11 years. I'm sorry, for 12 years on Blog Talk Radio. It is indeed why I began doing this broadcast through StreamYard uh, at the beginning of last year, just before the pandemic. The ability to reach and communicate with those in our community, community who indeed desire and understand that our salvation is invested in our ancestors. It's rooted to our ancestors. It's rooted to their power and their ability to survive, to create, to recreate, to be present under all sorts of weather, all sorts of tragic conditions. For me, it's very hard to think about the ancestors and what they endured and then feel weak in today's environment and then feel shallow in today's environment. I feel like I owe them. I'm committed to them. I'm obligated to them to live up to the destiny that they might not have been allowed to reach, but indeed to live up to the destiny that they invested in each and every one of us. Oloye, I'm going to bring you on in, beloved. Please give your greetings and salutations, your message. And indeed, we'll move forward with today's show. Greetings to everyone. I hope everyone is doing well today. I hope everybody has done their prayers for this morning, given their honor to their ancestors, to their Ori. And today is the day of Ogun. So today we give honor and praise to Ogun and pray that Ogun will clear away any and all obstacles within ourselves that are holding us back from achieving our own highest destiny in this life. So, you know, we, we honor Ogu, we honor Eshu, we ask Baba Eshu to please open up all of our big girls' roads and paths, and all the big girls' roads and paths of all those who we love, and to close down the doors, roads and paths of anyone or anything that is meant to do harm to ourselves or anyone that we love. So, I greet you all. And uh, in, in peace and hope that everybody is doing well today. Indeed. And I like how you invoked Ogun. Um, Ogun been all over here, all day, all over me, all over the house. Um, I've gone from West African uh, Igbo Ogun ceremony, Yoruba Ogun ceremony, Haitian Ogun ceremony, and indeed Louisiana voodoo and so you know often in voodoo when when ogu comes through in the ceremony he doesn't say a whole lot mm-hmm. his work is done through through action through through mm-hmm. movement through activity um and, and so i was really hard pressed to be able to broadcast today and talk um with this ogu energy just on me mm-hmm. but it opened up for me um an awareness that many of us take Ogu, as well as the warriors, um, mm-hmm. to be just that, warriors to fight our battles, to, to defend against our enemies, uh, 
to go after those who, who might seek us harm. And I think in that process, we neglect that, that all spirits must mm-hmm. first pass through our own head. Mm-hmm. So we can't ask Ogu to exact justice where we lack justice. Mm-hmm. We can't ask Ogu to, to create foundation where we lack foundation. Mm-hmm. And so in Louisiana voodoo, Ogu and Oshosi and a handful of other powers um, are really the foundation, if you will, and they represent really foundational elements um, to, to our progress first as individuals, and then how we step out into the community and, and manifest. I was taught Ogu was the foundation. I was taught that Oshosi was direction. I was taught that there was fertility, fertility and, and, and power in Osain and Arisha Oko. So I, I want you to speak a little bit more to that today from an from a Ifa Yoruba perspective. Um, I'll, of course, share some of my experiences uh, personally and in voodoo as it relates to, to Ogu and mm-hmm. working with Ogu. And I invite the audience to please feel free to participate. If your webcam is connected and your mic is okay, you can join us here on screen. Um, my cousin Paul Wooten, uh, something is not connected. It's either your camera or your mic, but you are present and I can see you. Um, I also invite Blog Talk Radio listeners to dial 845-277-9143, 845-277-9143. Please be patient because I have to navigate more than one platform. So press the number one on your telephone keypad, and I will unmute your mic. I'm also present in Blog Talk Radio chat as well. All is a blessing. Wonderful. So when we talk about Ogun, we're talking about a very powerful Orisha. We're talking about most people know him as an Orisha of war, an Orisha that uh, – is quick-tempered, the story, some of the stories of, of Ogun is being he, he weak to get all the full information when he thought something wasn't uh, where he thought it would be, and he was quick to cut, and then later on had to go back and realize that he acted too soon. One of the stories about him going into a town and nobody was talking, they were, they were, uh, uh, kind of smiling or giggling or laughing every time that he spoke to them. And then he thought that they were ridiculing him and didn't realize that that particular town was a town that was uh, where they do not talk. They, they had taboo of, uh, of that. Uh, so uh, instead, we uh, thought that they were just ignoring him and not paying attention to him and ridiculing him. And he wound up cutting, cutting people and Covering uh, aspects of their body, and then in doing that, it was given to him later that no, Baba, these people that they, they don't talk, they they it's a town that that is supposed to be quiet, and then you know lamenting, you have to lament on on that. So one of the things that is very important for us is to make sure that we have full stories before we go into to any action. Make sure that we are, are, are getting everything understood before we, we, in our mind and our heart and our spirit, whatever, 
situation. Even in in uh, my life over the years, I've had to really, really be mindful and careful of that. As I'm one who is initiated to a group, then I have to make sure that I have to that I'm doing that. The times that I didn't, it was a struggle. It was a challenge to make things right. So you have to make sure that when you're working with a group, that you can't let that energy of that of that warrior energy just go so high that you're not thinking before you do. You're not finding out information before you are going into action. That knowing that he he's one, we always say that never have lost in battle, then we have a warrior with us that will cut away whatever it is that we're praying for. And so in that we have to use use it wisely. Use that power wisely that is within us. And so with Ogun, with Ogun, you have to, have to, have to make sure that you can have some coolness along with that heat. So make sure that, you know, Ogun is that, that type of energy that will raise your energy up and you'll have power that you never knew that you had. And so with that, you have to be mindful you have to be use wisdom mm-hmm. in how you do this, right? So that's one one facet that I think that we all should focus on when it comes to dealing with a group. You know, um, I know that that certain um, uh, lineages, uh, especially in in Lukumi, uh, also they they do warriors. So one of the warriors, you know, you have Ogun, you have Eshu, you have Ochoci, and I believe for some they also do Oshun. So, you know, with all of that, you're you're delving into now learning and growing with the energies that are being given to the warriors. And you have to take the time to kind of um, embrace the energies, you know, but learn how to deal with the energies. Learn how to deal with the energies in a good way. You have to take your time. We say that you have to develop your relationship. You know, when we do, when we do somebody, we shape out, I tell them for the first six months to a year, you got to develop your relationship. Mm-hmm. And developing your relationship means that there might be a lot of changes and turmoil that you simply do not understand that winds up happening, going on. Some of the things that you think uh, you're here, you're not maybe here. You're someplace else. And Bifar forces you, Orisha forces you to work on those things within yourself and have to face what you have to face in order to grow, to heal, to move forward with, you know, with your life. And you see so many different things, people making choices and decisions that they don't even understand. Because now that relationship, even if you're not working on that relationship, those Orisha are working on relationship within you. So you get some an Orisha like a room and that has that type of energy and you find yourself getting frustrated quicker or, you know, the energy, you're more quick to, to go and, and deal with something. You've got to be able to manage it and lay back a little bit and make sure that what it is that you're getting ready to say, your actions, your walk, your talk, 
your everything is in alignment with what the reality of the situation is. So that's one facet. One facet of what we do. You know another facet of what we do? We talked about the story of, of when the Illuminati were coming down to earth. And the, the, the Bacala was sent down, but the rope wasn't long enough. And they went to Ogun, and Ogun forged together the chain that was able to take him the, the rest of the way, right? And at least until he got to the part, he had to see and all that. We'll, we'll get into all that at a later time, the whole story of how the Illuminati came down and all the facets to that. But when we talk about that chain, we're talking about a chain that is strong enough that links temporal to Olamun, in essence, because in essence that, that rope and that chain lead us back to our our own selves up in heaven. Mm-hmm. Again, mm-hmm. instead of dealing with our reef, that is our higher self that manifests from here, from the temporal up to Olamun. So now we're talking about how does that link us? That links us back to our ancestors. Huh? So now when we're talking about that chain, we can easily be talking about the DNA and the DNA, not just from our people here on earth, but our DNA that leads us to Olamun and to the creator himself. So there's so many different facets of, and, and, and intertwining with, with working with these Orisha, that you, once you learn to go deeper in working with the Orisha and understanding, I call it overstanding, trying to overstand the Orisha and how it manifests in different capacities and facets, then we begin to learn to understand ourselves and learn to understand how all of these things, how all these forces work into place. Because Orisha is always Orisha. Ori. It's already in our Ori, that nature that we're trying to bring out, that maybe that Orisha sees this person is not fighting for himself. So now he needs Ogun to take him the rest of the way. He needs Shango to take him this way. Maybe he's been hurt uh, in life many, many times. He needs Oshun. He needs Olokun to heal. He needs Yamona to nurture himself. Maybe he needs Shango. To, to develop still the ability to fight, but on a different capacity, because Shango is one capacity while Ogun is another. If they Shango be, be becoming um, like the heavens, while Ogun is here on earth, right? And then you have Oya to develop and form that, that fight and that transformation within yourself. So just a little bit of, of how do we, how do we, in a practical sense, I try to do this thing in a practical manner. Without, I, I don't have a billion verses, but in a practical manner, how do I work with these forces of energy? How do I work with this wisdom of nature in order to, in myself, and then in those who I'm working with, to help them to grow, to expand, to evolve, and to heal in whatever areas of life they, must, they, they might be doing and to, to achieve all that they've come here to achieve. Listen, I'm, I'm grateful um, always when you teach, and, and particularly from your, your perspective. Um, 
Because I say that all the time. We seem to think that we can access people, powers, things without building a relationship. Without building a relationship. Particularly when mm-hmm. it comes to Orisha or, or Loa um, or, or Abasan, any of, of the powers that, that are represented in ATR. But mm-hmm. we also have this idea in the West that we can use them somehow, separate from ourselves, without self-examination, without growing personally and, and evolving uh, along our own spiritual evolutionary path. And so mm-hmm. we send Arisha out after our, our enemies. We, we send Arisha out on these chores to bring us back things, to bring us back people with this sort of disconnection that we are actually the living embodiment of not just the ancestors, but, but these powers, and that they help us to become our God self. They help us to become our best self. I also mm-hmm. want to say, uh, while I have a moment, I'm truly honored to have two cousins and my mama <laughs> sitting <laughs> in the room right now. So I have Olo Ye, I have my cousin Paul Marshall from Denver, Colorado. He's also here with us. And I have my mom here, of course, the, the beloved evangel- evangelist Gary Vonsell Savage. And um, mm-hmm. I'm grateful. Tasha is like family because I've probably known Tasha uh, longer than anybody on the Internet. She was one of the very first people that I followed and shared with uh, a few decades back. I won't, I won't call it any particular date, but um, mm-hmm. she's been there the whole time, and, and I appreciate her. And I want you all to support her and her artistry. Um, her ministry comes through her artistry. Uh, so she makes jewelry out of organic, natural healing things, flowers, crystals, you know, and, and, of course, we greatly appreciate her. So thank you, Tosh. Thank you, Oshun, Yemi, too. We certainly appreciate you. And, of course, the phone lines are open at 845-277-9143. Do press the number one on your telephone keypad, and I will bring you into the conversation. Paul, if you have a question, comment, or request, I can see you, so just raise your hand, and I'll bring you back um, on screen, okay? And smile for me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, Ogu, particularly in, in, in voodoo, is very popular. Uh, as I said a little earlier, um, in, in a voodoo demonstration of Ogu, in, in a possession, in a ceremony, he's very demonstrative. So there's a lot of movement and a lot of activity, and, and often other people, uh, just like in church, are, are touched by the spirit of Ogu, and Ogu will attempt to come through various individuals in the ceremony. And those of you who watched the video that I played before the show, um, there was one woman who was manifesting but didn't quite come through, and, mm-hmm. and they shut her down. And mm-hmm. I've seen the very same thing happen in your sanctified, evangelical, spiritual, tongue-speaking churches where other spirits come through other than the Holy Spirit, other mm-hmm. than that which is necessary or needed in that moment. And we have ways of cooling or calming those spirits down. Sometimes spirit comes in, as my cousin said, to heal 
to fix, to repair. And, and, and that requires a time of being quiet, mm-hmm. being still, mm-hmm. being humble, being willing to hear, and being willing to be operated on, if I can use that word, mm-hmm. by, by God, by the spirits, so that we can evolve. Uh, in voodoo, um, Ogu is often not by himself. And I believe that might be the same uh, scenario in Lukumi. Um, typically, there's at least one or two other powers that are often represented with Ogu or present with Ogu. And again, I, I teach that that is foundation, that is direction, that is discipline, and that is work. You know, the, the, the four cardinal points, if you will, of our spiritual development. So I honor Ogu. Ogu has been present for me um, much of my life in in many dramatic ways. Um, Mm -hmm. But it's always a a sign to be still Mm -hmm. when he shows up for me, to be quiet, to pay attention to what's going on around me. And sometimes, Mm -hmm. yes, it is an alert, you know, that that people are seeking to, to block you, stop you harm you. Mm-hmm. But, but as my cousin said, I don't, I don't get caught up in the carnality of the feeling. Oh, man, I'm upset. I'm worked up. I'm mad. I've I got to do something now. I've got to go back after these people. That's usually the last case resort. Mm-hmm. Often I look at what my foundation is. Is my foundation sure? Am mm-hmm. I clear about my, about my own direction? Because ultimately mm-hmm. we can't control what other people do what other mm-hmm. people say, what other people choose, only what I choose, only what I say, only what I believe. I create and recreate my reality. Mm-hmm. So we often are exhausting and wasting energy that is being funneled to us from the spirit realm for our own personal development. And it becomes a distraction when it's the people, the places, the things outside of us, and then we give that power and responsibility by saying, that's why I'm not where I want to be. That's why I'm stuck. That's why I'm not moving forward. So there has to be a period of isolation. Um, Paul knows this better than anybody. There was a time where I was completely isolated. I didn't go anywhere. I didn't do anything. I didn't visit anybody. One of the few visitors that I had was, was Paul at my door early in the morning to make sure I was getting up and and handling my business. But during that time, I probably consumed thousands of books. During that time, I I did the work, the shadow work, digging up what I didn't like, digging up what was causing me harm, digging up what was was creating a block for me. And it was in that same season that my mother got her freedom. Mm-hmm. That she was able to break the curse of domestic violence and, and being mm-hmm. stuck in a controlling, oppressive, prison-like marriage. And so I saw things not only change for me, but begin to change for people all around me, even people who had no understanding of Loa, even people who had no understanding of Arisha, even people who mm-hmm. had no understanding of what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And, and I've been doing this a long time. A really long time. And so I'm confident in the power of the ancestors and the power of, of spirit 
to move us to where we need to be if we would just get out of the way. Yes, and also we have to understand that there is a there's a a, a uh, dynamic that happens when we're trying to elevate ourselves spiritually. We have to then learn that we are having to cut away so many things that maybe have stopped us from moving forward mm-hmm. in ourselves, in ourselves. Let, let's leave alone what others have done. Let's just begin the process of ourselves. And what in ourselves has to be cut away in order for us to move beyond and forward to, you know, Obi is the one that said, we say he removes our obstacles, clears our paths, Mm-hmm. so that we can move unimpededly moving forward. So then we have to have this honest look about our own selves, and our own lives, mm-hmm. our own choices, our own decisions, and how these choices and decisions got us to the place that we are now. And then we have to then be honest about it in order for us to go inside to cut these things away. So, when you share that the Orisha kind of works sometimes in tandem, there's story after story after story about how maybe Ogun worked with Obatala, how this particular energy, how Ogun married Oshun. He was married to Oshun before she married to Shango. And, you know, how maybe Shango and, and Oya, how they are inseparable and they work so close together. So a lot of times we have the, the, this Orisha working with this Orisha to hit things from both sides uh, of the equation in order for us to be able to do what we need to do to heal, to clear, to cleanse, all of those things. I believe you would call that shadow work. So you then, in, in, in regards to this work, it is extremely difficult at times. You lose people. You lose um, family. Hey, right, family. You lose so much sometimes. But if they're true to you, they'll come back to you. Over these last couple of months, I will share. I feel like I've lost so much because I've had to settle down and to study even deeper because of the position that I'm placed in. And unfortunately, it hurts. But I look forward to the time that now the other side of this comes to be. It's not always this because nothing lasts forever. We can't look at the pain and the struggle and the hurt. We all we have to look and keep our eyes. Let's say keep your eyes on the prize, right? So you got to keep your eyes on the destination that you're wanting to achieve after going through this time. The bat. I like. The, the, the song that Yolanda sings, Yolanda Adams sings, that the battle is not yours, right? We say the battle is not yours, it belongs to you, <laughs> yeah. You know, so, so, you know, the battle not all the time is the battle that you are seeing here on the temporal side. The battle sometimes is at a higher place, a higher cosmic level that maybe you're not dealing, seeing or understanding. And that's why I love what the ancestors and the elders said. And you said it as well. They used to tell you all the time, be still. Be still. 
Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Anthony X asked, what is power? And why do we take power? What is what? What is power? And why do we take power? And why do we seek power? Power is that which is within you. This is only my perspective. My cousin might have a different perspective. Power is that which is in within you that allows you to manifest your freedom and your growth spiritually, mentally, emotionally, physically, all aspects of life. Power is the ability to stand firm in your belief. Also, though, to seek truth. And when you find truth, that truth then becomes a different level of power. Power is that you don't allow anybody to knock you off your square. Power is the ability to be humble. Even when you have the knowledge, the strength, and everything to be able to take advantage of somebody else and to, to, to manifest that over people. There's power in humility. Power is the, 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 uh, the understanding of loving self and loving others, even through the grind and the mess and the dirt and the struggle, and being able to tell them the truth. I say, I'll, I'll leave, go to my cousin on the rest. I say every show, um, I create and recreate my reality. Mm-hmm. I am because my ancestors are. I am because the most high is. So for me, power is the ability to create and recreate the reality that mirrors your best image. Power is the ability to rise above our animal nature, our carnal nature, our lower frequencies, and operate as gods and goddesses while still inhabiting this physicality, this physical body. Power is the ability to apply your skill, your talent, your knowledge, your information, your awareness to not only recreate and re- to shape and recreate your own reality, but that of those around you, within your community, within your family, within your village. Power is us operating at our, our best selves. Power is us operating at our highest selves. And when you are indeed operating at your highest self, then you know there are times when you must be humble, when you must be quiet, when you must be still. Particularly when I think about parenting, you know, parents build a great deal of power over a child, but there's a way to administer that power that's nurturing, that's helpful, that's beneficial, that empowers the child. So that the child grows up to be an empowered individual. But when you don't know where your power is and you don't know where your power comes from, then you are seeking it in material things, in money things, in having 100,000 followers, but you only post in nonsense. You know, that's a misuse of power, if, if not a complete denial of the fact that you have power. I often say that each and every one of you under the sound of my voice, you got internet, you got webcams, you got microphones, you got a device. That's power. The question is, what are you doing with it? How are you utilizing it? Now, some of us are master researchers, so we're studying, we're learning, and then we're sharing. 
And then others are creating and recreating and presenting a, a, a reality that many of you didn't think was possible. Mm-hmm. I'm still being told every day that many don't think it's possible to live a life 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, the way you do, Kaza, and, and Ifa, and the way I demonstrate in voodoo. We, we're still dealing with generations who did not know that there was an option mm-hmm. to organize religion. To And I shouldn't say organize religion, because that gives people somehow the idea that voodoo and Ifa is not organized. And indeed, it's organized. Uh, it's not just a, you know, a thrown-together tapestry buffet. It's, there's indeed complex components to this. But so, too, are we. So, too, are we complex with multiple components that must be addressed. And so that's why there are a myriad, some say 401 loi. Some say 401 Orisha and, and Arumale. Arumale. Thank you for correcting me. Arumale. So, so there, are those, there, there are those forces that are specific to our needs, specific mm-hmm. to our journey. Often say the illusion of isolation, the illusion mm-hmm. of a block, an issue, a complication, often has nothing more to do with than how we see things. Mm-hmm. what we believe is available to us, how much power, Anthony, we believe we have to overcome and to change. And I also wanted to say before I, I forget, um, in response to what my cousin said, um, it's not about guilt. He didn't say that. I'm, I'm saying it. It's not about guilt. It's not about beating yourself up. It's not about, you know, feeling some sense of remorse because I didn't do or say or act a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago, that is all now a memory. And we have an opportunity in this moment to stand in our power, Anthony, Mm -hmm. and create and recreate a reality for ourselves, for our children, for our peers, that many of us are are waiting for someone to show up, waiting for someone Mm -hmm. to demonstrate. So I'm grateful. I'm grateful for power and, and, and knowing that I have power and that I'm not a victim. Power is the ability to say I'm sorry when you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Power is the ability to accept an apology from somebody else when they wrong, when they wrong you and then giving them an opportunity to correct that which the, the error was made upon. You know, power is your control over your life in a positive sense. It is the control over your thinking. It is the control over your actions. It is the control over the intertwining of the two. Sometimes your mind says something, then your body follows it. Where, where if your mind had the discipline, then your body would be like, ah, let me hold fast. This might not be what it thinks what in uh you know, what it seems to be in my own mind and, and thought, and especially when you're talking about Ogun. You know, you, you, want to, you don't want to make things so bad and cut things so bad, cut people so bad that there is no room for correction, no room for being able to heal what was destroyed. Just as important. Power is healing. 
whatever is broken, you have the power, the energetic energy, the energetic force to be healing as well. Don't ever think that power is just one-sided. Power is on both sides. You ever had a person who's yelling and screaming and hollering and all of this, and you can stand there and just stand there and look at them, knowing that you're not in a particular place of danger, but your power was the power to be able to maintain. You men have actually taken the balance away from a person. In martial arts, it is the mastery of balance. But balance is something that we find in all areas of life. When you can master a person's balance, you've mastered them and you've mastered the situation. I say, I say, and again, I, I, I want to remind everyone, we appreciate your participation. Turn on your webcam, turn on your mic. You can also call me on the phone lines at at 845-277-9143, 845-277-9143, and be a part of this conversation. Um, one of the hardest demonstrations of power I had to, to enact um, in my own life was being still, being quiet, being willing to look through my tragedy, my pain, my past, my upbringing, and realize that I could find and generate the power to recreate my reality. I want my listeners to know there was a time I did not believe that. There was a time I was depressed, clinically depressed. There was a time I was suicidal and didn't think that there was anything worth living for, anything worth fighting for. So you can indeed gain and regain your power to heal. I don't care what your age is. I don't care what decade you were born in. You indeed have the power to heal and recreate the reality that you seek and you desire right now. And listen, I know this, this show and the last show, ain't, it ain't magical enough for some of you. It, it, ain't, it ain't witchy enough for some of you. But you can't even explore all of that witchy stuff you all are so drawn to without power and to go into that empty an empty vessel thinking that you're going to manipulate items and objects and and plants and candles and roots to create something outside of yourself that you have not made room within yourself to receive is an illusion it's magic is the healing it's in these things. If you don't have these things, you don't have the energetic strength to be able to change the situations and to change people's lives or whatever it is that you're supposed to be doing, doing what you do. But the energetic power is your strength. It, it, it is your, your magic. It is your magic. Those people that do that high level, what we say, high level of magic, it is because they've done the work inside themselves, right, wrong, or indifferent, that they feel the confidence and the power behind what they do. The, the, the work behind what they do, they may have gone to higher sources and have gotten different initiations and different things to have certain power and knowledge in order for them. But it doesn't do anything if you don't have the right view, the right energy, 
the right clearing in yourself for the magic to manifest in you. That's the true magic. I have a friend who's quite talented, um, and, and in my opinion, posts some really interesting stuff in social media, um, but wonders why his presence isn't growing, wonders why people aren't following him. Um, he's not friendly. He does not exude an energy that is communicative. Mm-hmm. Um, I often speak about the virtual reality, for indeed mm-hmm. this is virtual. You, you are virtually in my house. We are virtually mm-hmm. sharing together. But there is a presence that we bring in our own lives that people respond to, whether it's in a video, whether it's in a picture, whether it's hearing your voice. And often that is what people are most attracted to. We wonder why is it that the foolishness gets the most light, but sometimes it's just the ability to laugh Mm -hmm. and and to laugh at yourself. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's just the ability to be human and humanize ourselves. Mm -hmm. When we're operating in anger and bitterness Mm -hmm. and regret and and competition and and Mm -hmm. ego, it's hard to see beyond that illusion towards that which is in our best interest, that which mirrors Mm -hmm. us. Some of my revolutionary partners and friends spend 98% of their waking hours being angry, Mm. being upset, down with the devil, kill the devil, you know. And and I understand the emotion, but there has to be a point where we come out of our feelings and then go into our higher consciousness, our higher energy centers. And that's power, um, beloved. That's power. Picking and choosing your battle, knowing right. when to go into war versus going into discussion. Knowing what to manage is the clearing away of the blockages that are in your life. You know, I, I use Chinese medicine as a as a as an example a lot of times. Chinese medicine, when you go to, I go to a, a acupuncturist. When I go to the acupuncturist, tell him this and this is the problem that I'm seeing. I'm having problems here, I'm having problems there. He doesn't go directly to that spot like in Western medicine. He goes to totally other spots. And when he goes to those other spots, he sees if there uh, is, is sensitivity and all of that. And when he touches that spot, and that spot is very sensitive, he then says, uh, yeah, 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 your, your kidneys are this. But your blockage, your blockage is here, here, and here. We have to clear out the blockages in order for you to have what you're supposed to have at that place that's causing you pain. So we have to look at our room as the ability to clear our blockages in order for the right energy to come into the area of our full healing. We have to look out at our room. What are the healing aspects? The healing aspects is to clear away, to remove the obstructions, to remove the blockages from our past, from the blood flow, from our energy, in order for us to, to be able to move forward and achieve what it is that we're here to achieve. I hope you guys, you know, are understanding what I'm saying on, on that. Yeah. 
I don't just look at a dude that's just this person, you know, the, the fighting aspect. You know, we have to look at a dude on the healing aspect, too. We have to have a balance. We have to have the duality. We have to have the polarity, the polarity, uh, the proper polarity that will allow us to see things from the wider view. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, no warrior is in warrior mode 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Mm-hmm. There has to be a period of rest. There has to be a period of recuperation. There has to be a, a period of preparation, uh, diet, exercise, activity. There, there's so many other degrees of who and what Ogu is that we miss in our Orisha romance in our appropriation of these powers. Um, Again, we use them almost like servants. You know, I can just buy this candle and apply this oil and and make the ancestors do what I need, make the Orisha do what I need, make the Loa do what I need. And, and And we often do it without looking at our own hands, looking at our own activity, looking at our own position. And let's be clear, no one sees everything 306 degrees. Mm-hmm. So, so in, in, in our desire to want to battle and curse and do harm to the next one, be sure that your hands are clean. Be sure that you can see 360 degrees, how that energy leaves you and then returns back to you. Mm-hmm. And, and so these are aspects of, of Ogu that you don't necessarily hear or, or it's not taught in the middle of a ceremony. I mean, we're too busy drumming and feeding the spirit, you know, and paying attention to the activity uh, ourselves to teach while the ceremony is going on. So often the instruction comes in the initiation. The instruction comes in the mentorship that you have with your, your mambo, your hogan, your voodoo practitioner, your awo, your risha priest, your babalao. It is really there that the work happens. It, 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 it's the stories that I was taught. It's their experiences that I that I was taught. It was it was reading those those contexts to the Odu that that you don't get in the middle of a ceremony, where I really gained my understanding of what power was, how it manifests in me, and, and then how the, the the powers within the spirit realm assist us in those endeavors. And, and I often say quantum metaphysically speaking that the universe must create and recreate what we say, what we believe. It has to. For those of us who believe that it's all bad and that there's nothing to be trusted, the universe has to redemonstrate that to you. It's a divine law. And those of us who believe that there's always an answer, there's always power, there's always an out, there's always mm-hmm. an opportunity, the universe has to demonstrate that. Um, mm-hmm. My cousin Paul has seen me do that for maybe 30 years or more. He's seen me come out of the worst scenarios, come out of blocks that nobody thought I would overcome, only to not just move forward, but to keep rising, keep mm-hmm. rising, keep rising. Um, and so that's why I do this. The, for those who have doubt, for those who are dealing with hurt, for those who are dealing with pain, for those who feel like there are no other options, for those who feel like they are powerless, 
That's why I do this. Those who feel unloved, those who are motherless, fatherless, I've walked that reality. I've lived that reality. Um, and, and you said something about family earlier. You know, those families mean you good uh, will still stand up and stand by. And my mom and Paul and many other members of my family indeed have stood up and stood by, even when they had no clue about what I was doing. <laughs> even when they had no understanding about what's all of this voodoo stuff. But at the same time, I have family members who don't communicate with me now at all. They seem to have preferred when I was struggling, when I was on the street, when I was desperate. And let me be clear, they weren't there to aid me then, mm-hmm. and they would not be here to aid me now. Mm-hmm. But they have distanced themselves. They have gone quiet because I stood up so strongly in this voodoo ministry. Mm-hmm. And for many of our families, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a problem when we can love our children through crime, through drug addiction, through domestic violence. You know, but we can't love our children through through uh, uh, diverse sexual identities. Mm-hmm. We can't love our children through diverse religious and spiritual belief systems. Mm-hmm. I have a young lady. I won't call her name. Uh, I talked to her yesterday, and she's engaged, been mm-hmm. engaged for a very long time. But her soon-to-be husband don't want nothing visibly indigenous, African or spiritual in the house. Nothing in the house. So, you know, my, my first question is, beloved, queen, goddess, stand up. Is this a part of who you are or not? And if so, how do you then proceed into a relationship with a man who only wants parts of you and not all of you? And often we're acting in that mode. We only present the parts we think people want, we think people need, we think are most acceptable, and then we conceal and hide everything else. I've been there. I've been there. I've dressed like this barefooted and sat on the piano in the church, sat on the organ in the church, collected my $200 at the end of the service, you know, barefoot, and and African, and and was still in denial of myself, (laughs) you know, still trying to fit into a corner that wasn't in my best interest, wasn't for me. So it alarms me, especially when a goddess, because I believe the black woman is God. Queen, stand up in, in, in who you are. Goddess, stand up in who you are. I don't understand maintaining relationships where you can only be part of who you are and you have to tuck it away. The good thing is, I believe, um, since they aren't married, she got an opportunity to change this. Mm -hmm. I I had to show her what the future looks like and and what the future might be, you know, and so she has an opportunity to now stand up in her truth. And, And she may still be able to save this relationship, but if you can't speak to who you are, you can't expect anyone else to speak to who you are. If you can't acknowledge your pain, your truth, your power, your inability, you can't expect anyone else 
to acknowledge your pain, your power, your inability. And so when I was confronted with what I didn't have, when I was confronted with what I needed, I asked for it. I sought it out. And sometimes that meant moving from city to city, town to town, state to state. I was very unstable in my teens and in my 20s. I didn't stay anywhere 90 days, anywhere. And the minute the cash flow stopped or the job wasn't quite right, or the I moved on. I'm blessed. I was protected. I was covered. I didn't become a statistic. Nothing crazy really happened to me. Well, I had some crazy events, but I'll tell you about that later. But um, I kept moving towards a goal that was so real to me, so real. Some of you think I just started talking about voodoo yesterday. My mama would tell you I've been talking about voodoo my entire life. Paul would tell you I've been talking about voodoo my entire life. This ain't new. This ain't yesterday. This ain't brand new. And as my cousin said, being willing to do the work, to study, to read, to learn, to sit elders' feet, to hear the experiences and stories of others, for me, that's a blessing. I don't have to repeat your mistake if I'm willing to sit and listen to it honestly and filter that through my own body. I don't have to follow that mistake. And that's often the role that our parenting and our elders should play. Now, now somebody, a celebrity the other day said, all elders are a demonstration for us to benefit from, all elders. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good or bad, right or wrong, left or right. Some elders are a demonstration of what we should not do, what we should not become, the directions we should not take, and other mm-hmm. elders provide us with clear direction, mm-hmm. clear understanding. So there's a benefit to listening to all elders. And as a young guy on the street, um, I often had the time to, to do that, to, to listen to the elder, to listen to the wino, to listen to the story of the drug addict, to listen to the stories of the prostitute, to listen to the stories of other abused and abandoned young people and children who also were on the street, to hear other people's stories. And still I maintain my focus on where I was headed. But all of that benefited me. It meant that that didn't have to happen to me. It meant that I don't have to go down that road. I still don't understand how in 2021, is crack really still around? I mean, really, I thought that was so 1990s. I really did. And how does an individual find themselves in that position today with all that we can see? I mean, it's on TV, for God's sake. Intervention, the the cops, the the police stories. How do we still fall into demonstrations that are are not in our best interest with all these witnesses around us? We see it in families. Some people say it's to be expected. Alcoholism falls down through the family. Drug addiction falls down through the family. Abuse falls through the family. That's not true. I'm the living witness of that. Everything my father is, I refuse to be. I refuse to become. And for a while, as a young person, I was very unbalanced because I wasn't able to accept or receive that of my father, which was actually beneficial to me. 
I, I was just obsessed with what was wrong, the abuse, the violence, his drug behavior, his alcohol behavior, his, his pedophilic and molestation behavior. And so I, I just wanted to cut it all out from the root. I wasn't willing to see what was beneficial. And my dad can count, uh, Oloye, my dad can count huge numbers in his head without paper and, and a calculator. Mm-hmm. I did have impeccable memory. I talk like he did. He's not dead. <laughs> but I talk like he did. Um, impeccable memory. Sharp, sharp street skills. So I know that that saved my life mm-hmm. while I was out there. But I couldn't see it at the time. I didn't want to hear it at the time. Paul will tell you, I, I didn't want to hear Mother's Day. I didn't want to hear Father's Day. I didn't want to hear anything that reminded me of family. For over a decade, my family didn't even know if I was alive or dead. They didn't know where I was, what I was doing, until Wapani made them hire someone to find me. And then I came back to the surface. But I came back a whole new person. (laughs) And it was a process. Even with me and my mother. Me and my mother had the best relationship now. Perfect relationship now. But we had to relearn each other. Indeed, you know, the church folks say born again. I was indeed born again. I was a whole nother person. And one of the benefits of Facebook, if there's a benefit, almost anyone who's alive who has social media that, that I went from kindergarten with until who we are now is somewhere scattered in my Facebook. Mm-hmm. And, and I find that interesting because these people knew who I was in high school and junior high mm-hmm. school and elementary school, and they're mm-hmm. seeing my demonstration today. Yes. And often they don't speak up, but their children do. Their nieces and nephews do. Their cousins do. And, 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 and I take that with great honor, great honor. There are people in this room, Chef Bougie, um, Arisha, their whole family is with me. There are others in this room, the whole family, not just one person, the whole family. And so I'm seeing the reality of my own dream, where we we realize that ATR traditions are indeed an option to what has been presented to us for the last 500 years. It's, It's indeed a saving grace for many of us. I, I don't sort of know all the hardships of my cousin um, Oloye, his story, but I'm sure he has them. And so I, he, he probably would agree with me that Ifa has been a saving grace for him, just as Voodoo has been a saving grace for me. And I don't feel trapped. I don't feel like a victim. I don't feel like I have to just accept what's being, you know, spewed out. And, and sometimes we get stuck. Black revolutionary brothers and sisters, we get stuck. And yes, there are things that need to be fixed and that need to be um, demolished. Racism needs to be demolished. White supremacy needs to be uh, expunged. And uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Exercise like a demon. But it doesn't stop us in the meantime from from perfecting our own God selves, from, Mm -hmm. from really building up who we are. And that's why I told that Black Panther story. We have politicized Black Panther movement, and, and we forget about the health component that they had. 
the mental health component that they had, the grassroots community component that they had. Do many of you know there, there was no free lunch in school until the Black Panther Party created that? They, they were concerned about that until the Black Panther Party created that. And so they demonized that movement but, but stole all the good that they created and, and brought to the community. And so we as individuals had that same ability to steal all the good from this oppressive system so that we can build and repair ourselves and each other. I, I like forgiveness. I love forgiveness. Some, some of y'all think I'm really hard and aggressive. No, I'm probably one of the most forgiving people y'all would ever know. <laughs> My clients, I've had clients talk crazy to me. I've had family members talk crazy to me. And I, I'm still here. <laughs> still here. So, um, man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really in my feelings today emotionally in a good way. Um, I've been just caught up in Ogu since maybe three this morning. Um, I've been just, everything is Ogu. I've cleaned the shrine for Ogu. I've I fed Ogu. Um, I've laid on the floor prostrate before Ogu. Um, and I'm grateful for that ability to, to cut away mm-hmm. those things that inhibit me. Me. I, I'm not coming at y'all with the machete. That, that's an illusion. I got two friends right now that are battling in Twitter, and, it, and it's just, it's so irritating. They both are representing tradition. They both are representing mm-hmm. ATR, mm-hmm. but it's an argument. It's a battle. It's so exhausting, and it's so draining. I don't have time to battle you. Mm-hmm. I'm still battling me. The war mm-hmm. is still going on in me. <laughs> Ogu is still cutting the ties for me to those mm-hmm. things that don't serve me, those things that don't benefit me, those things that will otherwise hold me back, those things that would otherwise block me. Mm-hmm. And my mama and my grandmama mm-hmm. used to say, boy, your mouth is going to get you in a world of trouble. I- I've been mouthy since I was a child, <laughs> since maybe one or two. I've been mouthy. Uh, but I've learned to use the power, just like Maya Angelou. You all know Maya Angelou's story? She was raped as a child, and she told it. And some of her family members went after this man, and this man ultimately died. And she held herself responsible for that. And so she went mute. And Maya Angelou didn't talk for years. And it was probably in that time that that literary power that she now possesses, even from from the heavens, um, stood up in her. So I had to learn that, yes, I got power on my tongue, but I can use it to my benefit or I can use it for my demise. So I'm very careful about, about what I say. My callers, my initiates, my godchildren, they'll tell you, Chris is very exacting, very careful about what I say, very careful about what I repeat, very careful about what I reiterate. And my all is a blessing mantra has everything to do with that. I'd much rather say all is a blessing. I would much rather invoke all is a blessing than to repeat something that's not beneficial, that's not mm-hmm. healthy. 
for me or, or those who the sound of my voice might fall upon. So that sort of silent mode that Ogu sometimes operates in. And sometimes he makes noises in the voodoo ceremony, you know, like a, like a man at hard work, like a man pounding steel, like a man mm-hmm. cutting wood, you know. And, and so for me, it, 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 again, represents us doing that work to rebuild, you know, this, this physical shack and turn it into a castle, turn it into a temple that you indeed honor and show appreciation. It's very disrespectful to your temple to hold destructive energy. It destroys your house, not mine. Mm-hmm. It's very detrimental to hold wickedness within your temple. It destroys your house, not mine. It's very detrimental to hold unhealthy, unkind, unloving thoughts and feelings and emotions about yourself or other people within your temple. It destroys your house, not, not mine, not the next person. So, so yes, we're angry at, at the system. Yes, we're angry at the oppressor. Yes, we're angry at, at racism and, and white supremacy. But be sure we're not degrading ourselves and each other at the same time. Now, those, that's what Ogu references and, and reinforces for me, cousin. Those are the kind of things that, that I keep getting that knock from Ogu about. Hold your tongue. Mm-hmm. Be still. Make sure you got your foundation together. Mm-hmm. Make sure your scaffolding is mm-hmm. secure before I take an action, before I make a move. Absolutely. You know, you look at the tools that that uh, are with us. You know, the the anvil, the hammer, the machete. You know, the weight, the pick, the pry. They all have a meaning. They all have a definition to. Them. And so, when we are working with these orisha, you would, you know, you don't realize the symbolism of what is going inside uh, of these orisha. When you're getting either receiving it or getting initiated to it. So we have to now look at what is it that is actually being given to us metaphysically and, and all cosmology, all that that is being given to us, the symbologies. What do the symbologies represent? So we look at, at the characteristics of whatever Orisha it is, and the tools that they give us to use with that Orisha. Why do they give us, you know, an animal? You know, uh, that signifies the Earth's uh, ability to transform man, right? Each, each one, each thing has its own entity to be able to give to you the tools to overcome your struggles, your obstacles, trials, tribulations, all of, all of the above, you know? A lot of people hold anger. A lot of people hold anger. And, and Ogun, you know, it's not wise to, to, to hold the anger in, you know? Uh, it, it doesn't result into anything, right? You know? In Ogun the Meji, Ogun number nine, which gives the, the incarnation of, of, of Ogun, comes through in Ogun, it says anger does not uh, uh, do anything for anyone. 
Patience is the father of good character, right? And it says those who develop patience will enjoy long life. So what is it saying? If, if I've given the message that not to hold in all of those things that are, are you're struggling with, not to hold them in, because by holding them in, it festers within you. And when it festers within you, then you can generate illness within yourself. You generate, uh, you, you generate not just illness, but you generate illness outside. When it comes in all week, it's saying not just that there's illness in you, but there's illness maybe in a relationship. There's illness in the energy around you, surrounding you, in your job, and this and that, whatever. You got to really go in deep to understand how these, these, these entities are working within your life. Ashe, um, beloved, um, please, I hope I'm pronouncing your name right. Otan, if a Tomila. Did you have a question? Did you have a question or a comment? Or are you just listening? I think she's just listening. <laughs> That's my cousin. Oh, okay. Greetings. I was just I was late and I was just listening. Greetings of Uwe Boye. Very unexpected. Hi. I just was trying to speak on in and listen. I didn't want to miss out. I'm sorry. Oh, you're nothing to be sorry for. We're grateful that you're here. All is a blessing. Um, Paul, did you have a question or a comment? You know, I just, um, I'm, I'm just happy to be here. And, uh, you know, I, 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 I've gotten a better understanding of, I'm getting a better understanding of my own pathology. And, uh, and, and of course, you know my journey. And uh, I just, I'm, I'm grateful. And I, I know that this is a good season. I, um, you know, one of the things that I, I have to tell people, and, and many people are confused about my relationship with you as from the day, you know. And I always tell people, I, the divine prince has been through more things than you can imagine. Someone who's been inside of the church knows the church better than most preachers. Mm-hmm. And so when I know, I can feel and know when the presence of goodness, of, 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 of a divine power that's in someone, and I've met that in that, that, that day, that night, at that place called the matchmaker. Mm-hmm. And that was a, 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 a social club that I had met. We met, and from across the room, I knew that this is somebody who was going to exemplify something that was greater than, you know. And, and so from that day on, then we've known each other since 1993. Mm-hmm. And so I just know that the message I'm hearing today has been a steadfast message from time uh, since the day I met him. And so I just, I, I'm just blessed in no time, to be honest. And I thank all the people that's here listening, and then Ty's mom, who I've had the pleasure of meeting her in Denver. And, I'm, and, I, and I tell people, we only found out that we 
had a family connection based on DNA that comes through. But even before that, it's always been there. So I just thank God that, uh, that I've had these opportunities to listen in and get a better perspective of what I'm dealing with and where I'm falling short. Well, we appreciate it, and we're here for you, beloved. Yes, yes. I thank you, guys. That DNA is a beast. It is, yeah. <laughs> it's funny because the, the people that were born between Otun uh, and, and your cousin Paul, me and you, that's how all of us, all of us kind of met the same way. My cousin reached me through DNA. You, me, and you reached each other through DNA. Mm-hmm. And now he's saying that you two, even though you knew each other beforehand, it connected even deeper, yeah. DNA. It's all about Ogun today. Technology. Right? As we said before, Ogun, Ogun is that DNA link, that DNA lineage, that, that linkage from the chain. When you look at the DNA chain, you're looking at a chain that looks like a ladder. Right? So, therefore, we're talking about Ogun. That's what we brought forth. The energy of Ogun is here with us today. Ashe, and in um, voodoo, we often say Ogu is technology. Even when we think of the machete and the cauldron pot, those those are some of the simplest but earliest forms of technology. Tools that that improve our life and our lifestyle and our way of being. Anthony asked, uh, uh, can we speak to the power and relevance of alchemy? and energy transmission. I know in EFOD that might be airway and how we might apply herbs, plants, roots to particular, not just physical ailments, but spiritual ailments. And we do uh, a very similar thing in in voodoo. Uh, so it might not quite be that Eurocentric definition of what alchemy is. Mm-hmm. But alchemy absolutely came out of Africa uh, where technology was being utilized and manifest. We know that the ancient comedic people and even those before ha- had a deep understanding of, of mixing of various substances to create um, powerful things. Uh, have you heard of the Baghdad battery? Uh, it is now being said that ancient Egypt not only had electricity, but had the ability to make batteries. And so mm-hmm. that comes out of that, what, 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 what was once referred to as alchemy is sort of a mixture of, of chemistry and herbology and metallurgy and technology and, and, and applying these substances that we find in earth to create uh, tools and, and, and higher uh, substances that we can utilize and, and benefit. So that's my response to to alchemy and energy transmission. Yeah, and, and, and since we're speaking about Ogun, it's interesting that this question came up because many of the Ogun priests specialize in the medicines. And that means they specialize then in knowledge of the herbs and all of that to be able to make appropriate medicine. 
because they were using M ops and this, that, and the other thing. But yet many of them at, at their, their uh, you know, many of them, they, they were living to 90s and 100s. And here today we got all these, these, these struggles with our health because we're not eating in the same manner that our elders and ancestors were making the food. Like we talked about that last, last week with Chef. That's right. Um, Anthony X, um, I need you to call in or pop in on the screen. Um, I thought we understood your question entirely, especially based on um, your response. Um, there are indeed plants, herbs that have to be prepared a certain way or they would be poisoned. They, they yes. could kill you um, and they have to be processed before we eat them. Uh, one of the most common things that comes to my mind first is puffer fish. Now, now we see that in China. We see that in, in, in the Caribbean. We see that in, in Jamaica. Almost anywhere you can find a puffer fish, there's somebody eating it. But there's a process by taking the poison out or, or taking what would otherwise be poisonous about the fish and, and transforming it into, into something that is edible. And in, and in some cases, even medicine. Now, there are a lot of herbs, roots, plants, you know, that are growing up in, in all of your yards right now that could otherwise be medicine or poison, depending on your knowledge, depending on your education, depending on your awareness. Many of you know my greatest pet peeve is herbicides and green lawns. Green lawn is a is a Eurocentric uh, sort of American status symbol. And it's really not natural. It's something that we are, I saw a whole documentary about this. It's something that we have imported from Royal Europe into America. And it has now become sort of the status symbol of having, you know, acres of green grass in front of your house. You know, in in the old days, uh, your yard was behind your house. And maybe your garden was in front of your house. And we have replaced the garden, the edible, with green lawns and green grasses. When we first moved to Coral Hills, Maryland, Capitol Heights, Maryland, 20027, the DMV, y'all know what I'm talking about. I grew up right across the street from Bradbury Heights Elementary School before they moved it. It used to sit closer to Nova Avenue and Glacier. Now they've moved it towards the middle of the lot. So I grew up right there on that corner of, of Glacier Avenue and Nova Avenue. When we moved to that house, our front yard had peach trees, apple trees. Our neighbors had peach trees, cherry trees, all kind of fruit in their yard. And I remember seeing the transition through the 70s into the mm-hmm. 80s when people started getting rid of this stuff. Now, in some cases, I think with the uh, peach tree, there may have even been a virus or mm-hmm. disease that harmed many of those trees. But they were subsequently replaced with green yards, mm-hmm. green grass, something that is not edible, not really usable. <laughs> it might look good. It might feel comfortable. But in the process, we're killing off the food, the dandelions, the clover, the bee bomb, uh, the bonnet set, 
All these things grow naturally in your yard if you just leave it alone. And, and us here in the South, we, we know that because it's everywhere here in the South. If you are a green lawn type of person, you're going to have a hard time here because it's constantly water is constantly coming and aquatic plants are growing up, edible plants are growing up everywhere in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. I have family who live uh, near Benton, Mississippi. They had to put their own road in. They had to have their own electricity strung. They had to have their own water brought in, you know, for their house. This, this is how rural we're talking about. And now they have a contract with the U.S. government to not cut acres of their yard. And the reason the government does not want them to cut this acreage is because it's a habitat for wild plants, wild animals, natural medicines, things that they clearly know that we are losing and need to keep track of. But many of us, especially in the city and in the suburbs, we are completely cut off from nature, cut off from where our food comes from. When's the last time you've seen a cow, a sheep, a a live chicken? Listen, we got live chickens in our neighborhood, cousins. We got chickens in our backyard. <laughs> we got chickens and ducks and all of that just running around freely here and, and, and without threat. Possums. I have possums living under my house. Now, some of y'all are spooked by that. You better not put no poison out. My neighbors will beat you to the ground, especially my white neighbors. They, they don't like the idea of killing natural wildlife. You know, they've made a shift, if you will. So they're feeding the cats. The cats are a part of our city plan mm-hmm. to protect the city from rodents and, and, and nutria. It's a part of the plan. So there are cats mm-hmm. that live in almost every neighborhood, and, and there are individuals who feed those cats. So, of course, you got cat food out. The possums got food. The raccoons mm-hmm. got, yeah, we got raccoons. The raccoons got food, you know. And if you go out into some of the parish areas, you're going to see coyotes. You're going to see bobcats. You're going to see nature. And, and, and I fear many authors have written about it, many movies have been produced about it, that there will be a time that there will be nothing living around us, not a plant, not a tree, not a herb, nothing. I gave some homework last year. How many of y'all actually read Octavia Butler, The Parable of the Sword? The Parable of the Sower. I, I talked about it maybe for two years and, and gave it out as a homework assignment. I begged y'all to read this book. Much of what we are seeing now manifest in our world is in that book. And, and some of the things that are still yet to come are in that book. And Octavia Butler, may she rest in a room, she saw a time when gas might be $75 a gallon. Mm-hmm. I believe in her book, Water was like $50 a gallon. And people were carrying bags of dirt because the dirt was contaminated. So if you had to move, because during, during the time of this book, which, which is in our near future, many of you in California will have to move, either mm-hmm. by natural destruction or by human destruction. But her book predicts you all having to walk out of California mm-hmm. with everything you own on your back including dirt, seeds, 
listen, I begged y'all to read the book, so I'm, I'm going to give it away now. The parable of the sower is about sowing seeds. And, and, and the main character in the book, a, a young girl, is sowing seeds. And as they move, they have to replant food. They have mm-hmm. to replant herbs. They had to replant their food trees. And that day is coming if we mm-hmm. don't get it together. That day is coming where all of our fish will be poisoned. Do you all understand how much plastic is in the water right now? How much plastic is, is breaking down into microbeads and it's, it's now in the fish. So depending on where you get your fish, you're eating plastic. You're eating toxins. And so some of the vegans is really worked up about that, and I don't blame them. Mm -hmm. I don't blame them at all. But if we don't Mm -hmm. start acknowledging nature and the power, and Anthony, I'm going to use your word, and the alchemy of nature, we're going to lose it. And indeed, there will be a time, you know, like sci-fi movies where we'll be eating food pellets, you know, created in in a lab somewhere, you know, and, and there won't be any real natural food. Uh, we asked, why are they spending so much money and time in Mars? Not just in, in the creation of oxygen, but the ability to grow food somewhere other than Earth. Because those at the top of the ladder know they're destroying it all. They know they're killing it all. They know this will not last. And that if we don't take action, that we all will be subject to what they give us. So those of you who live in the warmer regions, the Carolinas, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, Texas, Florida, California, you better be growing something. And I don't want no excuses. You don't need a yard. You don't need a big garden. Get some pots. I got some. I have a yard. I have a garden. And I still got pots. Huge, huge pots, you know, like $50 pots. I grow a tree, a fruit tree in the middle of the pot. And then around the bottom, I plant herbs, my scallion onions, my potatoes, my winter and summer greens, my beans. There's always room for beans. I, I got beans that I can't even do anything with. I'm giving away beans. So there are no excuses for us in this generation with all the knowledge that we know, with all the information that we hold that we aren't doing something to sort of reverse the actions and activities that are happening around us. I've heard rumors of them trying to make natural food illegal. You know, is that really true or is that just a rumor? But it's something that I've heard. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I hope that it's a rumor. I mean, you know, there's so many people now that are finding that, that they know that their health is in the food. And now we're changing to eating so much away from meat. And we're, we're now starting to eat more of the Dr. Sebi, you know, stuff and, and others. Because Dr. Sebi is not the only one, but Dr. Sebi, of course, has become very popular because of his fight. Uh, with, and he, he won in Supreme Court, you know. Uh, so, you know, when we follow that example, We've got to be able to grow our own because that food can sustain us. It has all the nutrients. It has all the vitamins. It has everything we need. And as well, it then cuts away a lot of the mucus 
that's in our in our body. And, and when you look at the mucus, it's that mucus that brings up a lot of the illness. So we have to then be watching exactly what it is that we're eating, what it is that we're consuming, and not and we talked about it. Not just consuming from the food. We gotta watch what we're consuming in all areas of our life, because it all then goes inside, which then reflects to our outside and reflects to all of our health in all different ways, all different ways. Yes, Oshun, hear me. Yes, they're even creating fake plant-based products, That's fake right. food, really. So uh, my mom taught us how to read labels. I've been a label reader my entire life. But now it's not just enough to be a label reader. You got to be a label reader and then you got to have a dictionary, you know, or, or a Google search engine right there so you can figure out what some of this stuff is. And, and it's advised, many of my vegan friends, um, if you can't spell it, if you can't pronounce it, if it don't make any sense, you probably shouldn't be eating it. Right. We probably shouldn't be eating it. There isn't a whole lot that's going to be natural that uh, is going to read like Greek to us. Unless, of course, they're using Latin or, or some other more scientific language. Uh, many of our plants we know by common names, even by textbook names, that don't necessarily match up to the scientific name. Uh, how many words are there for sugar, Otan? Uh, how, how many various you know, descriptions can we get for sugar? You know, um, corn starch and rice sugar and, and all the ways that they hide sugar, you know, in our food. Um, mm-hmm. I hear you, Anthony. I do. And I did understand transmutation. Uh, I believe my cousin did as well. Sometimes eliminating that negative energy has everything to do with what you're eating. Mm-hmm. And so you can transmute that negative energy, those negative feelings, by changing your diet, refusing to eat those things that are only going to reinforce the bad energy, the negative energy. So, so, so I, I understand transmuting one thing to another. We have a, a magical word, prosperation, which is to move through something, not to go over it, not to go around it, but to move through it or, or to change it internally into something that is to our benefit. Um, And and I say the same thing about the system that we live in. Appropriate. They appropriate us. Appropriate this system to the best benefit of our community and ourselves. Go in and get what's to our best interest. Go in and obtain what's to our best interest. And then apply it within our community. Sometimes we go in and we obtain and we learn and we access, but we only do it for self or we only do it to climb, you know, stair climb, climb the ladder to to gain position. And and then we forget about those behind. Um, I don't even want to bring up, well, I guess I'm doing it. Uh, Tim Scott and the idea that there's no racism. I see your eyes, cousin. (laughs) I see your face. (laughs) You know, no racism, he said. In the same sentence with, I've been stopped falsely by the police at least eight times in the last year. But America is not a racist country. 
you know, how, how do we transmute that if people are eating fake food, synthesized food, BS, and, and like my cousin said, consuming energy, what we hear, what is being said, what is being promoted. I'm very careful about the conspiracy theory. I'm very careful about the, you know, I'm going to get on this post just because I'm black. I'm going to get on this post just because they, they talk in revolutionary. I'm very cautious. Just as cautious about that group as I am about the oppressors group. Because we all understand what COINTEL is, right? <laughs> there are plants within our own community who their job is to disempower us to keep us from attaining our own power, to keep us from manifesting our God-like ability. And some young person comes through, you know, every month and demonstrates that we are indeed God-like. Mm-hmm. You know, our poets, our, our, our musicians, our artisans, uh, Baptiste, congratulations on, on your Grammy. You know, we keep demonstrating our God-like ability. But somehow, collectively, as a group, we still don't believe. We still don't believe. And some are holding on to the old uh, just because it's comfortable. People in domestic relationships, do, domestic violent relationships do the same thing. My mom stayed for almost 35 years. I stayed until I couldn't take anymore. And then after I left, I, I had to exercise it from my head and my body and my thoughts, and my emotions. So we've, we've got to get clear about what we're consuming, what we're taking in, what we're be, being, uh, allowing to be a part of our consumption of energy. I got so mm-hmm. much in front of me, cousin. Um, it's all good. I see that, that uh, your cousin sent a message uh, about how do I tell someone how a belief isn't wicked or evil. And, and my, my answer to that is that it starts with you. It starts with your walk. It starts with your talk. It starts with your actions. It starts with your character and integrity. It starts with how people view you as a representative of whatever it is that you believe in. Because I don't know what I don't I don't know what what ATR or what, whatever it is that you you believe in. So therefore, any first example is what people see within you and how you operate and also what it is that you speak about. How do you speak? Um, how do you interact? How do you, do you respect yourself? You respect yourself, you know? When you respect yourself, then people have a certain level of energy that they feel within their, their communication with you. And do you believe in this? And then do you believe in that which you believe in? I would say if you say that you believe in our spiritual traditions and, and things, then you're always going to have the – they're going to see the reverence in you for maybe your ancestors. When you speak about Ori, you, you don't have to speak about it in such a way that it's above somebody's head. You can speak about it in a way that you're working on your higher consciousness. Mm-hmm. How they, how people hear you and, and receive what it is that you're doing is really just based on what they're seeing within you. 
that would be my best answer. Yeah. I like to use my mom as an example. Um, one, because she doesn't mind. Two, y'all have seen her in this chat. Um, three, she's written three books. So I like to use my mom as an example. Now, 30 years ago, uh, when my mother finally reconnected with me, I told you I disappeared for well over a decade. And we reconnected. I was a whole nother person. I was somebody that Paul understood, but my mama didn't. And she was still stuck in that relationship, stuck in that marriage, stuck in that belief system, stuck in that practice. So everything was witchcraft. She found a, a crystal book. Oh, so you, you, you worship in rocks now. You know, and when you don't have the language as the student or the practitioner to speak to what it is that you're doing, then you can't expect people around you who have no uh, education in it to make sense of it, to connect to it. I found that as I saw my words, as I made, as my cousin said, my demonstration clear, it became easy to understand. Now, it doesn't mean that my mom is practicing voodoo or, or ever will, but she has a very different understanding of what it is that I'm doing, what it is that my cousin is doing in Ifa than she did 30 years ago. In fact, she won't mind me saying, um, one of her church folks called to us, you know, uh, Sister Savage, we're going to pray for your son. And she pray for my son for what? Well, we're going to pray your son out of witchcraft. My mama let them have it. Let them have it. I couldn't have been more prouder because she had the words, she had the language, and she was able to explain that African spirituality ain't witchcraft. That's right. It's not evil. It's not wickedness. It's, it's ethnically and culturally different than what we do, but it ain't witchcraft. And I couldn't have been more proud, Paul. I could have been more proud. So it's got to come through you. If you can, now, now, some of you, yes, you don't have the words, maybe. You're still learning. So go back to Ogu. Be quiet. Sometimes just be quiet. Don't, don't feel like you need to fight or you need to battle. But make it clear that you believe in the Most High. You believe in God. And then maybe over time you can change up the language a little bit. I believe in Maulisa, that's what we call God. I believe in Olo Damare, that's what uh, my cousin calls God. And, and in time, they will learn that. Now, I don't mean they're going to practice it or, or, or take it in, and that's a big problem. We have been taught through other world mainstream religions that it's our job to proselytize and to convert other people into a religion. We don't do that in ATR. That's not our job. First, you're born into your lineage, if all things were perfect. You're born into your lineage. But since we don't have that benefit here in the West, we find our lineage, we find our path, and then we live up into it. And, and the prayer is that those around you see your demonstration, absorb your demonstration, absorb your energy. Even through demonstration, Anthony, we can transmute energy. Uh, I love my mama. <laughs> she did respond, y'all. She said, I am free. Praise the Lord. I am free. <laughs> yeah. And been free over 25 years now. And I'm so grateful. 
I'm so grateful. Uh, there was a time that um, I never thought it was going to be possible. There was a time I thought I was never going to hear from my mother and my father again. Paul, no. I- I'm just out here by myself. Don't nobody love me. I ain't got no power. I was a total victim. A total victim. Uh, not anymore. <laughs> not anymore. And-, and I understand now how much of an illusion that was, even when I was going through it. It was really an illusion. But as long as they can keep that curtain over, over your eyes, then they can keep the curtain over their own eyes. As long as they can keep you not seeing, then they don't really have to see. And sometimes, Paul, and those who are listening, that's the hardest part for, for those who are observing us. Because they start questioning themselves. Well, what does Oloye Ifawole's walk say about my walk? What does Divine Prince look and walk say about my look and my walk? I've had to deal with that in many facets of my multiple personalities. Once upon a time, I wore, you know, all black and, and had dreadlocks down to my ass. And so it was assumed that I was a Rasta. Hey, Rasta, it was always assumed that I was a Rasta. Uh, then I started uh, crocheting crowns and, and eventually cut my hair and, and we'll wear kufis, and it's assumed that you're a Muslim. I salam alaikum. Always automatically assume. Nobody ever assumes voodoo. Mm-hmm. It might be slightly different in Ifa Orisha if you got your beads on. Right. And so people assume because you got beads on that you initiated, or they assume because you got beads on that you are in the tradition. And so how it looks is so powerful and important in how we navigate this. Because we live in a world that's, that's guided by what we can see, mm-hmm. what it looked like. So it ain't necessarily the clothes. I learned that. I cut the hair. I changed the clothes. People treated me exactly the same way, exactly the same way. There was a time I threw out everything African. Can you believe it? I was in Atlanta. I was so upset. I was in my feelings. I sold and got rid of everything African that I had, including clothes. People didn't treat me any different. They didn't accept me into their little fraternity, sorority, elitist Atlanta communities. I I was still the same guy to them. And and I had to realize that it ain't what you wear. It ain't how many lakeys you have on. It ain't whether you have dreads or not. Jill Scott said it ain't whether you got natural hair or not. Mm -hmm. What's your demonstration? What is your demonstration? How are you living? How are you healing? How are you dealing with challenges? Because we like the joy part. We like the happiness part. We like the prosperity part. But people need to see sometimes how you deal with pain and trauma. It's not what you cause, it's what you answer to. That's right. Paul saw me deal with pain and trauma. Head on. Directly. In your face. Because for me, it was too painful. I was tired of running. So like a warrior, okay, let's box darkness. Let's box shadow work. Let's box demons because I couldn't take anymore. So you've got to get to a place where you're really willing to confront what's not working, what don't feel good, what don't look right to you, what's not, you know, in place for you. And it's very painful for me when I talk to so many women, oh, my goodness, so many women who are living their life vicariously through the man. Yeah. And you ain't got no sense of self, no sense of value, 
no sense of worth beyond what that man brings to the table. And if your man is God, then God bless you. But 98.9% of the time, that's not what, what I'm dealing with by the time you end up on my phone, by the time they end up in my sky. And so you're all accepting abuse. You're all accepting being torn down, being demonized, being treated less than a goddess, being treated less than a queen. And the same thing for the men. We talked about that on the mental health show. Same thing for the men. We have accepted Eurocentric toxic behavior. Because I know y'all don't like the words toxic masculinity. So I like to say Eurocentric toxic masculinity. Because what masculinity meant in an indigenous world is not what we're dealing with now in the modern world. In the indigenous world, the man allowed and made space for and knew that the goddess had skills and abilities that were to our benefit, and, and we didn't mix that up. We didn't get involved in that. And then we did our part, and then we created villages. That's changed now in the modern context of things. Just in how we live, especially in these crowded cities, you know, massive apartment buildings, massive man-made, you know, suburban structures, massive man-made communities that some of us can't even afford to be in. But then those of you who are in them, you know, subconsciously, without even your awareness, maybe, you're being cut off from nature, Mm -hmm. cut off from your neighbors, cut off from the people next door. How many of you know your neighbors? I know everybody on this street, both sides of the block. And we got seven Airbnbs on this street, but I know who own them. And when I see people coming and going, I know the difference between a tourist and a local. And here in New Orleans, you cannot be a local and not speak. Mm-hmm. My cousin talked about that before. Uh, someone from Chicago also talked about that. There was a time in Chicago, you better not be black and not speak to a group of black people while you walk the street. And so I love that about New Orleans. You got to speak to your neighbors. You got to say, hey, baby, how you doing? How Mm -hmm. your mom and them? Good morning. How you feel? You got to do that here or you will be looked at funny. What's wrong with her? What's Mm -hmm. wrong with him? And these people would knock on your door. Baby, are you okay? You know, what's going on? You know, they'll knock mm-hmm. on your door. There is not that fear of each other that, that mm-hmm. I felt in New York City, that I felt in, in Chicago. I remember walking the streets of New York City and never speaking to anybody. Looking people in the yeah. face and never saying a word. You know, looking before and in the back and, and no communication. And that's mm-hmm. by design, y'all. That's by yeah. design. Because if we're not communicating, then you're not getting access to information that's to your benefit. You don't know where the resources are. I got a friend who brings pounds of food to my house every week. Potatoes and fresh vegetables, whole crates of mushrooms, whole crates of green peppers. That never happened in the city unless she was going to a food pantry. That's the normal way of things down here, and I love it. God's initiative, mm-hmm. I wish she was on camera because she was here last weekend. She came to my house. She got a little bit of a tour. 
Mm-hmm. She's seen the community, and I love when people from the internet come here and see how real this really is. That this just ain't no fake backdrop. <laughs> that that what's going on on the other side of that wall is really happening. Um, so I'm grateful. Let me put her comment up on the screen. She said her boys even loved it. It's very family oriented. Very family. Because they don't want to just know you. They want to know who your mom and them is. They want to know who your kids are. They want to know who your cousins are. Because if you're from here, that's the dynamic of the community. They know everybody. So mm-hmm. they don't know you. They know your mama. They know your grandmama. They know somebody you related to. Mm-hmm. You know. So, yes, God, it's initiative. I'm grateful that you enjoyed um, your experience here in the beautiful city of New Orleans. I really appreciate that. Um, Oshun Yemi, you might be typing emotionally because we can't quite figure out that that statement that's on the screen. Rewrite that in an, in another way. Okay. Yes, um, um, Goat Rider self reflection inner work is a is a continuous process. Never-ending process. Doesn't matter your age. Doesn't matter your seniority. It's a never-ending process. And I found that as you ascend that spiritual ladder, you become just that much more committed to self-reflection and inner work. Older, Older people and our elders sit and watch and observe and stay quiet for a reason. Not not because they're tired or, or they don't want to get in the mix. They're learning to observe and self-reflect. That's right. Observe and compare that to their experience. Mm -hmm. Observe and think back to what they've seen demonstrated before. And that's Mm -hmm. why they're so quick to read you. They're so Mm -hmm. quick to see who we are. They're so quick to see what our real intentions are when our elders are operating healthily. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One thing about this and what we're talking about. The world is where carries his emotions on his sleeves. Yeah. And the uh was not feeling like he was respected in the community, and he was already doing a lot of the building. He was putting things together. You know, he was welding this and doing that. But he didn't feel that the people in the community honored him and respected him. And then he took off and went back to what we would say his cave, you know, in the world, secluded. Seclusion could be positive, it could be negative. It's according to how we do it. Going back into seclusion in order for us to rebuild ourselves and to, to uh, heal ourselves and to go inside of ourselves is good. It could be, you know, it could be um, positive and negative. On a negative end, it's when you're going into that cave to escape and trying to run away from your challenges and your struggles and your your, your problems. We have to look at the, the seclusion in both ways, and you have to ask yourself, what are you doing in this time that you're by yourself? Are you building? Are you healing? Or are you trying to hide from these things that you really have to, eventually are going to have to face? And so... You know, all of the different audition came to try to coax him out 
of, of this, this place, and they couldn't do it until Oshun came. So how does that how does that reflect? Oshun is that orisha that makes you truly look in your inner mirror, and then to be able to see the beauty in in yourself and the beauty in things around you. So now when Oshun comes and she does the dance and she puts the perfume on and the seductiveness of her dance, what is it really saying? Is it telling you that when you look inside of yourself at a certain place? then you, when you start beginning to see the beauty of life, the, the seduction is that you have the ability to manifest these things in your life. And then when you leave your cave, you want to leave your cave with the sweetness in yourself, the love of yourself, the love in your inner mirror, seeing yourself, viewing yourself, and then viewing everything else that even through the time of challenge and struggle, heartache, hardship, that there's still beauty at the end of the tunnel, some way, some shape, some form. Those who have lost relationships had people that they loved, and that person decided to fly the coop. They decided to disappear. A lot of times the struggle is that you don't see the beauty of maybe this right here in the leaving is meant for you to go even deeper within yourself to find those things that you still have to grow in so that the next person that might come to love you, you're going to be that much more firm in yourself and be able to be healed, and then you'll be able to be even greater for that person that comes at a later time. We have to learn to look at things in a viewpoint of, what does the beauty look like on the other side of this pain? Okay. Um, we're going to have to wrap it up. We're like six minutes past two o'clock. All is a blessing. But I want to say one last thing um, because he talked about Oshun and her sweetness. And that's one of the things that I teach in my ministry, and particularly to women. When you're in a healthy relationship, a woman can use her women, her feminine wild, her iyami, her compassion, her sweetness, and get her man to do anything, including grow, be better, evolve. The problem is we want, we want to go at war like Ogu and Ochozi. You know, we want to stand up and, and sort of act like men, the way men have sort of been taught this, this Eurocentric toxic masculinity and mm-hmm. that doesn't work and so use your love use your soft hand use your sweetness I, I can't tell you how I've been healed in the last 25 years not only by my mother's ability to forgive herself and, and realize sort of the challenges that she placed on her children but then her ability to love now mm-hmm to give her sweetness, to give her heart in a way that we can feel. And, and that's one of the most um, empowering things that Oshun provides us through the black woman, through the black mother, is, is that ability to heal through love, through kindness, okay. through sweetness, through softness, through sensitivity, touching that, that emotional space that often men aren't given the opportunity to have access to. 
So I appreciate everyone who's here, everyone who came through. Um, Paul, I see you. I'm so sorry y'all still have to wear winter coats in, in Denver. Because <laughs> it's summertime here. Okay. <laughs> so I'm so sorry it's that cold where you are. Um, no, I'm in Dallas. Oh, you're in Dallas. It's cold in Dallas? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Yes, indeed. Well, thank you. We appreciate you coming through. Otun Ifatomiwa. We appreciate you as well, beloved, for coming through. We invite you all to come back again. Yes, please do come back again on Monday if you can and share another powerful edition of Revolutionary Hoodoo. New Orleans food and secrets and recipes with us. All is truly and indeed a blessing. That was great. I don't know if you can tell, cousin, but the shows are getting better and better. Oh, yeah. Yeah, people are enjoying it, and that's a wonderful thing. I'm always happy to hear that, that people uh, enjoy it. And it's cool that we're teaching them from the two different, uh, the two different uh, like, vantage points of the tradition, and that they still mix so well, but, you know, the view on some of it might be this comes from this way and this comes from this way, but it's still, it's great. I love it. Yeah. And, and just to that very point, I think that is very useful because, as you know, we got this Orisha romance going on, and, and, and it's flooded with, quote, unquote, Orisha Ifa information. But people mm-hmm. aren't really getting that, that foundational information that you provide to the show. I also think it's important that we're demonstrating that they're not opposed to each other. You know, people often come and, they, and, you know, which one is more powerful? People have asked me that. Which mm-hmm. one has the greatest sense of, you know, power attached to it? People say mm-hmm. that kind of thing to me. And, mm-hmm. and I have to remind them that another way of looking at lineage is family mm-hmm. or community. And so mm-hmm. we, we all might know how to cook gumbo in Louisiana, but every gumbo recipe ain't quite the same. And there, right. and there is a, a right way to cook gumbo, even if your ingredients are slightly different, but there's mm-hmm. absolutely a wrong way to cook soup, but you're trying to call it gumbo. <laughs> you, you mm-hmm. know? So I think the two, we, we, we're showing that, yes, ATR is indeed more than just Ifa, more than just voodoo, more than just a con, more than just mm-hmm. one hierarchy of, mm-hmm. of, of tradition and practice. And we're, and we're inviting people in, which is another point that I really like, from those regions of the world. When I look at my blog talk radio map, you know, I called out some of those countries earlier in the show. But we also have Brazil and Argentina, Peru, um, Dominican Republic, you know, and, of course, Europe and the Middle East, all listening in to the show, all, all participating in some, in some way to the show. So there's indeed something universal about yes. what we bring to the table that, that people are digesting and appreciate. What I'm grateful about with that, too, is because in many of those areas, you know how deep the tradition is in like Brazil and, and those areas. So that, that tells me also that people in the tradition are hearing us, and they're not in conflict with 
the lessons that we're given, even though we're not given the verses and right. stuff, we're right. kind of keeping it simplistic, right. but trying to give a practical way of, of embodying these, these energies. Yeah. I never get any you crazy know? emails from Africa, yeah. from Brazil, mm-hmm. from Cuba, yeah. never. If I get a crazy email, it's it's a American <laughs> or European um, trying to sort of find a way to mix this up, adapt this, adapt this to their own pagan practice, or adapt this to their own witchcraft, and and, and those are the people who find conflict. What what I say, uh, I haven't gotten any negative comments about what you said at all. But I've gotten them. Yeah, I've gotten them over the years. And they're primarily from people outside the system who are trying to find a way to utilize this to their best interest uh, without humbling themselves to the system. Mm-hmm. 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 So I appreciate you. That makes me feel great. Yeah. That makes me feel great. So I appreciate you, beloved. Have a wonderful weekend. Yes, I'm going to uh, be doing readings. Out here we have the Spirit Fairs. So I'll be out there with a bunch of people doing that. They do the tarot cards and sell all the items. And plus, I'm throwing a bullet. So I'm trying to introduce it in a very different, different uh, manner uh, to that more diverse people. So just be praying for me because I'll, I'll be up there the next two days uh, doing that work. Okay, I absolutely am with you. Absolutely. Um, tomorrow, I'm actually doing a blessing of the street. Oh, awesome. And traditionally, this is done before carnival season, before um, um, Mardi Gras, and obviously it didn't happen because of, um, you know, the COVID-19. So mm-hmm. we can't continue on in the season because the idea is to not only bless the street, you know, against crime and violence and but also cultural appropriation, cultural bastardization, mm-hmm. a, a mm-hmm. prayer over our second line, a prayer over okay. our baby dolls, a prayer over our masking Mardi Gras Indians, a prayer over okay. the, the black masking culture, that right. our stage is the street. We, we, we perform mm-hmm. in the street. So it's a very powerful responsibility. I'm, I'm truly honored um, to, to be invited to do it. Someone backed out last minute, and, and the doorway was made for me to sort of come in. Uh, no so it'll be a bit of a media event. It'll be at the um, Historic Jazz Museum in the French mm-hmm. Quarter here in New Orleans, and I'll be doing that at 10 o'clock in the morning. So it sounds like we both got a, a working weekend. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm grateful. Well, I'm grateful for it, too. I'm grateful for it. You know, my daughter is, is excited to have the opportunity to come down. So uh, is your guys' uh, uh, COVID stuff ending? Ours ends tomorrow. We, we, we end the mask thing later on today. I don't know if you can see my face. Um, <laughs> yes and no. Technically, okay. technically, for the state of Louisiana, the governor has relaxed the rules. Okay. But for Orleans Parish, um, TD, we call her TD. Um, some people call her the pit bull. Um, Cantrell is not having it. So okay. the bars are open, the restaurants are open. People can get around and, and do what they do, but you got to wear a mask. Um, the businesses still have the option of maintaining a mask only rule. 
So okay. my house still has a mask only rule. You can't come in without without your mask. Um, okay. So we're open, but we're okay. still very pensive about about the virus. Yeah. You know, I understand 100%. Yeah. I, so I, I'll probably, yesterday, this is my April, April, I'll probably early. look to get down there probably before the end of the summer. Okay. Probably sometime in like, uh, like July-ish, August, something like that. Oh, that would be great. Now, the first weekend in July is traditionally Essence Fest, but that weekend, that Saturday, we also do my office. Now, my offer didn't happen last year because of the okay. corona. It should be happening this year. Uh, I haven't heard yet that it's not, but okay. I'll, I'll try and get that information to you as soon as possible if, yes. uh, if that's going to make a difference about when in July you come. Okay. That would be awesome because I think uh, Amoro Kimi uh, will probably come and maybe if it's been elected or go, go to uh, whatever because we're out on that thing. But they, they might be they might roll with me down there. That'll be great. I'm looking forward to that. Awesome. Listen, All right, so keep me abreast. Enjoy your day. You too. I'll talk to you later, cousin. Take care, Paul. All of the blessings. All right. Thank you, Blog Talk Radio. I'll see you Monday in the month of May, 2021. All of the blessings. Congo Square. The Omus Indians, the Omus Indians prepared this place for us centuries before our arrival. A sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. The Omus Indians prepared this place for us. Centuries before our arrival. Congo Square, a sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. And as the colonizers came, our host, the Omus Indians, they pushed aside our host. The colonizers came and pushed aside our host and introduced us in chains. And by the late 1700s, we somehow, recognizing the sacredness of Les Places de Congo, we somehow, and the how of our somehow persuasive methodologies is not clear at this moment. The how is not clear. How our persuasive methodologies worked is not clear at this moment. But nevertheless, even as slaves, we crafted and created a space where we could be free to be we. And thusly, thusly we countered the sacrilegiousness of the French, giving great homage to our ancestors as well as giving praise and thanks to our red-blooded brothers and sisters. This is an oral libation toast to Congo Square, to Native Americans, to our ancestors who made a circle out of a square and gave us a way to stay ourselves 
save ourselves from the transformatory ugliness of America, which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life and celebrates death with crosses and crosses, double and triple crosses, the middle passage, the first cross, Christianity, the double cross, and capitalism, the ultimate triple coup de grace cross of our captivity. But the terror of crosses notwithstanding, we sang, we beat, we be, we was and is. Hail Congo Square. Congo, Congo Square. Our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated inside the beat of us. Inside the beat of us, our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated, retreated inside the beat of us until we are ready to release them into a world that we recreate, a world harrowed by the beat, 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 being, beating, being of black heart drums, heart Beat, heart, beat, heart, be at this place, at this place, be heart, beat, beat, we beating place in new world space, beating, being in place in new world, preserving our ancient pace, our dance is the God walk, our music the God talk. First thing we do, let's get together, circle ourselves into community. No beginning, no end, connected together and singing, ringing, singing in a ring. Second, let's be original, aboriginal. Be what we were before we became what we are. Be bambula dance. Be banza music. And sing song words which have no English translation. Third, let us remember. Let us remember never to forget even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials. Let us remember never to forget. Even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials. The bounce, the blood, flow, the feel, the spirit, grow, energy. Must retain and pass on the essential us-ness that others want to dissipate with out of us. Whoa. But no matter, no matter how much of us they prohibit, no matter how much of us they prohibit, deep inside us is us. Deep inside us is us. Remains us inside and needs only the beat to set us free.
the beat to free us. It is morning, a sun day, a feel, a feel without shade, but dark, dark with the people black of us in various, various, various shades, eclipsing the sun with our elegance. We are centuries later now, and still this sacred ground calls us to remember, to beat, to be. We are centuries later now, and still this sacred ground calls us to remember, to beat, to be, beat Congo Square, be Congo Square, beat, be. Remember. Remember. 